the people, the place, the Masai Mara. This is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye, and I've just been sitting here for the last five minutes thinking what I could call this particular episode. So as a background, yesterday Johan and I sat down and we recorded a about an hour and a half piece of audio for the podcast. This morning when I wanted to wrap it up, it didn't work. So my sense of humor was slightly challenged, but we sat down and we did it again. But I mean, the Mara is amazing. You know this if you've been following us for a while. The Wild Eye Mara camp, we're very passionate about. But this is a really, really, I think, different take on it that Johan and I speak about. It starts with his dog biting another dog or not. And then we talk about drinks and some drinking tips. We talk about Shanga. And then we get into the Mara. And I think it's a deeper look at the Mara experience than I know that I've put out and that Johan's put out. So I hope you guys join us for this one. It's about an hour or so, but this is the essence of our Mara experience. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Johan, hello. Hello. Here we go for take two of this bloody episode. Here we go. Because for some reason it didn't work yesterday. We had a great chat. Mm. Um, We are live as well, so if anything pops up there, we can pay attention. But tell me about your dog biting people. (laughs) Yes I'm, yes, I'm going there. It's a, it's a little bit too soon. So, I mean, for, for those of you that uh, don't know, I've got a, a female Rottweiler. Uh, she's now about seven years old. And on Monday, we had a bit of an incident. So, we, we stay in a, um, in a state that's about 25 units. And I had my headphones on. It was the afternoon, probably about three o'clock in the afternoon. I had my headphones on. I was doing a bit of training. And I eventually heard this commotion, which probably carried on longer than I than I realized um, and this guy appeared at my door and said that my Rottweiler had like shredded this other dog in the in the estate so I was there I was uh, in a bit of a panic I had the two kids and things got them into the house and went out and like saw this um, went to this old lady's house but a bit like to just to bring the story back so this lady's got this small little I think it's a black Poodle thing, like you know, one of those things that it's got a lot of hair. And but just poodle, poodle shouldn't exist anyway. Yeah. So, but it's a small black furry dog that just it barks, but it doesn't. It's not on a leash. So every day this dog comes at our gate and just barks and barks and barks and barks. It just carries on and just antagonizes our our dogs and me personally. <laughs> um, so I think what happened, like I said, I had my earphones on. I'm not sure what happened, but I think. With this dog uh, barking at our door, Callum, my young boy, opened the door and our Rottweiler went out. So anyway, so on Monday the story was that <laughs> this lady got a fright, um, she fell down and cut her hand quite badly, so she had to get stitches in her hand. And Why did she fall? Because she said she, she panicked. She panicked and she sort of collapsed. Look, I mean, um, in her defense, if your dog runs after me, I would shit myself as well. I no, know, I know, she's no, super chill. Yeah, yeah. You've had many bras. Yeah. But if that thing runs after me, I would also fall down. She does, yeah. It, it, it On is, purpose. It is very intimidating. <laughs> but I mean, we, we take it to dog parks and it's, 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 it's always the no, same she, thing. You she's know, people, super gentle though. Yeah, people freak out because you've got this big thing running towards you. <laughs> and all she wants to do is just play. And oh. she would literally lick you to death. Yeah. Um, so th- that was the story. And... I couldn't, because I, I get quite defensive with stuff like this, right? Yeah. So, Judy, <laughs> Judy just arrived at home and I said to her, listen, before I say something wrong, you go inside, have a look, see how the lady is, everything, and you know, I'll sort it out, whatever has to happen from there. <laughs> so he went in and the lady said, no, 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 um, she didn't get bitten, her dog didn't get bitten. So they, they were, our dog is called Seba, she didn't bite anyone. Didn't bite her dog. The dog's fine. Was still running so around. The lady, the lady said this. The lady, the lady Two days said ago, this whenever on, it was. on Monday. Okay. Said no, no. Um, she just got a fright, but the, her dog is fine. She's fine. She's got a cut on her head where she fell. Mm. Everything's fine. So yesterday, <laughs> um, <laughs> the kids were riding their bikes up and down, and she came to me. And she's like, no, it, it's really bad. I said, yeah, I'm really sorry that you know you had to get stitches and things. Uh, she said, no, your dog, but she, she just, 
she thought about it and she, she, she it. now realizes <laughs> that her my dog bit her. And I said that that's look, you know, if you can, we can take it to forensics. If you, if you that uh, doesn't look like a dog bite. It doesn't look like a dog bite. It's, it's a scrap mark. So I said maybe she scratched you. That's what dogs do. You know, they do jump up. You know, so I do, I do feel very sorry for this old lady, but now you've got to understand that my sense of humor is taking a bit of a dip at this point with her saying now <laughs> that my dog is bitten. She's obviously wanting me to pay for whatever Maybe medical. she forgot. She's old. No. No. And now, she, <laughs> now she's saying how dangerous Rottweilers are and they're so aggressive and we need to be careful. And Oh, and her, her best thing is, no, her do- my dog barks really aggressively when they walk past the gate. Because you have your little heel biter piece of shit next to you. And th- that's why we have the dog, is so that she is aggressive when you're at the gate. But I mean, the guy across from us, he comes and pats her through the gate and yeah. he knows her. But we don't want people to just to come walk into no. our house. So that, that is her territory. That's what she's protecting. But her bark, is, because it's a big dog, <laughs> is a lot more intimidating than a little chihuahua thing. Piece of shit thing on the floor. Barking. So, her and I had, we actually, we, we, we bought the flowers on Monday that we wanted to give to her yesterday. And then she came up with this. I told Judy, Judy's like, she's not getting her flowers. <laughs> Did you keep the flowers? <laughs> Love it. We still got the flowers. So, if that lady's listen, listening to the podcast or if you're on Instagram, you're not getting your flowers. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, like, I mean, accidents happen, right? I mean, this, this is the first time that I dogs get out of the house. Yeah. It happens and they run and they play and... It's just unfortunate now that our dog is a bigger dog and she didn't bite anyone. Yeah. She, she, she wanted to play. She wanted to um, find out what this little thing is sure. that is barking and why are you barking me every single day? And try and shut it up, mate. Let me sniff you and dominate you, but no. she, she didn't bite it. So, Is the dog yeah. still barking, the other one, the little thing? Yeah. No, that's annoying. It's still barking. So I've got this rule now that I don't really drink during the week. Yesterday I had a few drinks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good rule. It's a good. Rule. I had a whiskey. No, no, I had red wine last night as well. Yeah, I have to have these things. Yeah. So are you not going to talk to this lady again? Where, where's where's things now? She's not getting her flowers. We've, She's not we've getting her flowers. There. So I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> still I'm still waiting. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, I can't read what's there. I just no, Josh is laughing at a heel biting piece of shit. The little dog thing. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm still waiting for like a medical ball or something to to come to my doorstep um, but we'll see we'll take it when it comes do you remember sorry this is random Jenny Chris Williams she used to be a talk show host on 702 yeah. where Krista used to work yeah. and she at one stage she had a thing against poodles mm-hmm. and she, she actually I don't know if you can still find it she released a book on 101 uses for poodles oh yeah but it's all pretty fucking dark wipe your ass and Something like that. Or, or the one I remember, and, and, and I need to go and try and find, I don't know if you can find it, I'll Google it. But the one was, you take a drill, you stick it up its ass, and you can use it as a bottle cleaner. No. <laughs> this was in the book. I can't, and it was, it was random stuff, like no. toilet seat warmers and stuff. Oh, it was, no, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not a poodle fan at the best of times, but Jenny Chris Williams took it to the next level. <laughs> That's dark. Yeah, so. But now, anyway, I mean, India's open, apparently. Yes, this very, is very good. fresh off the press, like now. Very good news. So um, that's sort of enlightened my mood quite a lot. I got a message at about probably about 8.30, I suppose. So it's now, now? Yeah, like oh, right. two hours ago. Yeah. Uh, or what's the time uh, now? An hour and 10 minutes ago. An hour and 10 minutes yeah. ago. So India had a seven-day uh, self-quarantine upon arrival. That's now been scrapped. Um, you still need, obviously, the PCR test. Mm. It's 72 hours, and you need to be fully vaccinated. Yeah. But I think that... Our whole office, Tanya, Judy, everyone just breathed a big sigh of relief because we were trying to think of what we're going to do, what our plan B was going to okay. be. Okay. That's why, I guess, because I was in the studio when all this broke in the office. Yes. And that's why you were asking, are we day drinking today? Yes. Okay. Can we drink? What is it? What is the Indian national drink? Is there such a thing? It's a, I mean, they've got some local beers, but they, they've got... Tiger. This. No, that's, 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 that's Thailand. Tiger. Yeah. And Singer and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the beers... They had a, they, they've got these fruit uh, called the maua. Maua. And, okay. and they make an amazing ice cream out of that. And they, they make a very strong, like a potent, like a mampur kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I didn't try that. Oh, I might that just, sounds you know, bad. Well, now you have to because you got it. It's funny, all these local drinks. 
the the one that Ingen, if you ever listen to this, the Rocky that you get in 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 in, in Turkey is very similar to Uzo from Greece. Oh yeah. And the Uzo, I think I must actually if we're gonna buy this weekend, so mm. I'll bring a. I've got a Rocky that Ingen gave us. Oh, yeah. But when you mix water, it goes like milky. Ooh. And in the beginning, when I looked at this thing, it's like, uh uh-uh, uh, that shit's That's, off. That was digging but in the stomach. Uh, it was off later on but yeah, it's just what is our national drink beer Mampur depends where you go like if Bit you blitz. if you go to like hood spread it's brandy <laughs> and that's just for the woman yeah that's, that, that, that's <laughs> brandy. like your oh my goodness you have that with your cornflakes yeah um, yeah I would say butter chicken sauce Hmm. Um, I think it's, it's it's pretty. We drink pretty much anything. I think wine. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, as in the Australians, bring it yeah. on, mate. <laughs> w- wine, whiskey, beer, vodka, gin. Gin has become a big thing. Gin, like all these craft gins and stuff. Huge. I mean, there's like gin bars. There's Josie Gin. I heard. So yeah. We must go check it out. It's somewhere here. Josie Gin. It's I think. pretty that other places have closed up. That, what was that? Uh, that was it. Oh, tonic. Tonic. Tonic yeah. in Linden was amazing. Yeah. They were, and their food was phenomenal. Yeah. We never got there. We went there once. And the girls finished, I think, about six bottles of wine. And Jono and I killed two and a half bottles of aviation. aviation. Ryan Reynolds, you will be proud. Yeah. Yo, we smashed it. I think we got home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jim, it's funny. I mean, I can't... Like, I would never, ever, in the, like, go home tonight and have a gin on my own. No. For me, that's a glass of red wine or a whiskey or something. But weekends, Bri, like, when mm. we may have drinks on a Friday afternoon here, that's pretty cool. But apparently, it is quite a, it is a different drink. If, if, if you're inclined to go, if you've got a depressive streak or DNA or whatever yeah. it is, then it can take you down. It makes you cry. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, must, I can do like four or five. Yeah. If I go more, then it's bad. Yeah, then like, do, like it gets, the tonic gets a bit like, I don't know. Your, is it a sweet your, taste? Your throat gets a bit like... Scratchy. It's like that. But uh, it's just yeah. like I, need, I need something to kind of mix wash it up. It down with. with. Yeah. Yeah, if I, if I go more than five, then it becomes like that. Yeah. Then it's ugly crying, yeah. like snot and stuff. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> but then after that, you can drink anything that's amazing. Oh, yeah, because you're not tasting anything yeah. anymore. Your taste is gone. That's the thing we spoke about, about <laughs> red wine, right? Yeah. So when you've got... So this is like a, a, a drinking tip 101. If you've got really expensive <laughs> we red wine... We travel, photography, <laughs> and drinking tips. <laughs> if you've got really expensive red wine, and you've got really cheap red wine, Drink the expensive red wine first. What yes. is service? You yeah, enjoy yeah. that. Once you've smashed like four or five bottles, nah. you can get that box wine, give it to someone and tell them it's a... It's whatever. a Mirrorless Rubicon 2003. Exactly. And they would believe you and still mm. enjoy it. It still does the job. Some people make the mistake. So, so you get friends over and you don't want to give them... They're good friends. They're not like, like we're great friends. It's not like... Ah, yeah. fine. So you open like a medium bottle. Yeah. Just something decent. Yeah. I mean, like flipping nice. Yeah, flipping nice. I flip a nice bottle of wine. <laughs> I was actually post that video. It was cool. Um, there's actually a wine called Flipper Nice. It's flipping nice. Um, and then after like three bottles with like a group, you, you, your your defenses are down. Yeah. And you're like, oh no, Pete's fine. Go and grab a bottle. Yeah, yeah. And he fucking he'll grab the most expensive one. And by that time, you can't be the dick that says, hey, you can't open that here. Yeah. If you do, uh, oh, okay. And you wake up in the morning like. Oh. Yeah. And you don't enjoy it then, so you have to do it first. Yeah. Is whiskey the same? Um, probably the same argument probably, should stand. Yeah. Yeah. I think whiskey, you can get away with it a bit more than with red wine. Because, yeah, I mean, like you're, you're, yeah. like you're cheapish or you're, like your standard, I mean, for me, like a standard whiskey, like a famous grass. Yeah. It's nice with soda. I won't drink it just on the rock. Not neat. Not like a malt. Yeah. Either, either with water or, uh, or with soda water. Um, but you can sort of hide it a little bit if that makes sense. Yeah, I also think I mean if, if we if if I if we bring a big bottle of whiskey, a big a good bottle of whiskey, mm. it takes discipline because you and I can go through half a bottle very easily, mm. and you can then have the discipline to close it, put it aside, and get one that's a seven out of ten, not a nine out of ten. Yeah, but you don't. No, because it's so nice. <laughs> oh, this one's open. <laughs> right, let me go. Yeah. Do you remember the first time we had Chang'e? Well, I was about to say, you guys need to request it, Chunga. It was at Ndorva Camp. It was, you, me, and Jimmy. Yes. And Mary, yeah. Mary was spectator. I don't know who filmed the thing. I remember the guests we were with. I remember that. Yeah, there was a group. So, so for those people listening, friends. and if you guys are 
there's a lot of people there. Hello, guys. Hey, it's Jono. Jono, we're talking about Changa. So, <laughs> so on the there's this bootleg kind of made on the street. How would you describe it? Liquor, spirits yeah. that the guys make on the streets of Nairobi. Yeah. Right. And like the dark corner streets of Nairobi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to find this in any bar. <laughs> yeah. So, so we hear about this from Jimmy. Jimmy always brings up this kind of stuff, and. Um, and we said, to, oh, we've got to get some, we've got to get some. Yeah. And the moment you mention, like, to Sammy and Dixon, you mention Changa, they're like, oh, no, no, you, no, don't, no. you don't talk about it. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't say that word. Yeah. Why? Now, you don't tell me to not do something because then I'm going to yes, do it. Exactly. I want to know what it is. Exactly. Um, and so, so Mary comes up later. She said, oh, no, she used to make it when she was younger and you brew this. And then Sammy or someone came with a story that there was an incident. I don't know how this worked, but... The, the, the urban legend in Nairobi is that these guys made Shanga in this big fuck off pot mm-hmm. and then they sat around and just drank and they went blind. Oh, wow. This was the story. <laughs> so now I'm intrigued because I've never heard of a drink that makes you blind. blind no. It makes you like see triple. Yeah. So you see more, you don't yeah. see less. Yeah. I've heard of beer goggles and all of that, but yeah, never, yeah. never going blind. So, so, so this rumor is there that no, you gotta, you, you're going you're gonna to go blind, uh, blind if you drink it and this, that. Now I want it even more. Mm. Anyway, so we keep on saying to Jimmy, come on, Jimmy. Come on. Sammy's like, oh, no, we don't talk about this. Billy, oh, we, who told you about that? No, you can't have this. <laughs> so, so eventually end up, uh, I think it was 10K we go to. 10K, can you get us Shanghai? Okay, cool. How much you want? It's like, dude, what? Yeah. Okay, cool. Anyway, long story short, so it's, you, you and I were hosting. Yeah. And now Jimmy's also, he's game for anything. So. I think it was my first ever week in the Mara, actually. Really? Yeah. Justin, that feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. I remember, I remember that we're going into the little bar tent. It wasn't the new, it was the old Atendorva. Yeah. Into the tent. Anyway, so eventually this stuff arrived from some godforsaken village out in the middle of nowhere where they brewed this stuff. And it's in a 500 ml Valpre water bottle. Plastic water bottle. It looks like dishwasher water. Yeah. And there's stuff floating in it. It's like, ah. yeah. This is apparently it. No. It's, it's one of those drinks you can't, you can't smell it, you, or you mustn't smell it, you yeah. mustn't look at it. No. Just, it looks back at you. That's yeah. the problem. So, so <laughs> blind morse. Yeah, they went blind from this stuff, apparently. <laughs> anyway, so did we almost. No, it's not that bad. Joke, people. So, um, so eventually, so Tenki leaves it in his bar fridge. And was it the last night? It was close to the end of the trip, I think. Yeah. So every, the, the guests are settled, but it was, a, if I'm not mistaken, it was an exclusive use group. Yes. Yes, group, it was. A group of friends. That, yeah. Yes. So the Mara is amazing for that because it just settles in. Anyway, so just before dinner, everybody's kind of still... You, me, and Jimmy, we sneak into Tinker's bar tent. Yeah. And haven't, was it a shot or a double shot? Couldn't A shot of this stuff. It was enough. It's like the darkest corners of hell touches your tongue. Yeah. So we had two. Yeah. <laughs> we had two. Yeah, we did. Anyway, so it's like, oh, this is horrible. Let's have another one. Okay, cool. So, so, I now, do have those videos somewhere. Cause I, no I, way. I've got it on my phone. I'm, I must have got to find that. those videos somewhere. And You've we'll, got to find we'll that. Share that. Yeah. On a private platform. Yes. No. <laughs> anyway, so so then we went to dinner. I remember so at the Mara uh, in the in the Mara camp. It's a long table. So I was sitting on, on the edge here, on the long corner. So it's two seats. I think whatever six and two. Yeah. Sitting here and then all these people. So all the people by now are they super chill. They've settled into the Mara way of life. Yeah. Because in the beginning of the trip which you host, I mean you can help me if you if you what do you think is you have to do a lot of work in order to gel the group. Yes. You're involved in the conversation and, and if you're good at it, which we are. You, you can step back in time. Yeah. You can sit back, have a drink, and the group jumped. But this yeah. was easy because it was an exclusive use they group. They all knew each other. Yeah. And I remember. <laughs> right. Yes, yes. So now we've had these two shots of Shanga, and I think I might have had a whiskey before. Normally yeah. when I get back, Tenkin knows double whiskey on the rocks, yes. and that's my off-the-game drive drink. So now I, I, can't, I can't remember what we had for food. So I'm sitting at the table... And then I'll look at the people this side talking <laughs> on the right. And then someone says something there. So I'll turn my head, but then my vision stays there and like, it slowly <laughs> comes across. Right. And then I'm like, <clears throat> in your mind, you're like, okay, fuck, focus, focus, Jerry, focus, damn it. And then I'm on the left and someone says something there and, I, and I, you pull and then the, the vision comes <laughs> long later. And, then, and, and the ones I'm thinking, okay, this is actually cool because they know each other and this is actually quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> Go another one. Holy hell! So anyway, for people coming to the Mara, um, speak to your guide about Shanga. <laughs> we actually we went through the stage where we actually wanted to bottle this. So because in the Mara we've got our own That's right. our own wines with yes. beautiful labels from our images, and we've named it. Um, you know, 
according to animals in the Mara. No, scar, chewy, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So imagine having this beautiful bowl of chaga with like a, a carcass with a vulture on top of Holy it. Holy shit. <laughs> that, I'm sure people will buy this. That's, that, people that's buy the only I way, would buy that. That's the only way I would describe it. Like this carcass just with the ribs and then a vulture sitting on top of it. Shanga. Tastes like death. But know. it will get you hammered. This is true. This is true. I'm just thinking of, sorry, random, of, and I, I don't know if we've talked about this, there's an old Dudley Moore film. Way back, he's like a, he's a marketing exec at this big company. And he's supposed to the next day do a pitch for like two or three products. But something happens that night. Either he gets in a car crash, he has like a mental breakdown, he goes drinking, whatever. But something happens, yeah. and he wakes up the morning, and he's just, like, he's just over life in yeah. general. And then the one thing, I, I think it was a gin, no, it was vodka. Yeah. And he had to present this pitch, marketing pitch for a vodka brand. And he's over life. He's just like, screw everything, I'm done. Yeah. And then all the clients are sitting in this big boardroom waiting for him to put the pitch up on the, on the, on, on the screen. And he's like, okay, guys, we're going to just keep it real here. This is what I've come up with. But he's like, you can, he's just, I couldn't give a shit. Mm. This thing comes up and let's say it's Johan's vodka. Mm. It tastes like shit, but it'll fuck you up. Yeah, brilliant. And it's like, what the hell? And all the clients, and the story about this whole thing was that truth and advertising yes and then because the, the the his boss is like you can't say this you can't do this and the client's like oh my god yeah. that's genius yeah anyway but that that's how we can market chunga yeah straight that's bad who's gonna make it for us Get mary mary but mary, mary. mary sitting at the back with a pot stick chunga oh we can add it we to the brothers john is for listening to this he's probably <laughs> jono chunga bro we must get some of this stuff uh, oh no that was that was fun but that's years ago hey 2016 when did you join? End of 2015. It must be 16 then. Yeah. Yeah, that was the good old days when we moved camp. We spoke about moving camp yesterday a little bit. Yes. When the audio of the other podcast actually worked, which was nice. But we were talking a little bit about the anxiety that we as guides have when you arrive in the Mara and it's a changeover week. Yes. Because the camp now is, we've got our position just north of the Purungat Bridge, if you guys want to go look on a map. But every two weeks, the camp would move. Yeah. And so, why am I brain fuzzy? So people would check out, at, they would fly out at three. Yes. And the next group would arrive at 11 the next morning. Yes. And in that time, the guys would move the camp from this spot to that spot. And it's, if you look at the map of the Mara Triangle, one is in the north, it's a and huge one is in the south. So it's a good, what's it, if, you, if you're hauling, it's probably a good 40 minutes. And this 40 is with a big truck, so yeah. Yeah. So no. probably like an hour plus with, with the truck and yeah. the driving carefully, the breakages, the plates, the glasses. Oh, God. <laughs> Mental health issues for the guides. Because yeah. when we were saying yesterday, we have to go there. So you would land. And you know this. Yeah. So if you are the guide bringing in the guests on the 11 o'clock and they've just moved camp, right? Then the first thing, and you like start sweating when you see the Morrow River. It's like, oh shit, here we go. Because <laughs> you were the guests. Dixon and them were managing the camp. Yeah. So you would land your phone, Dixon. Dixon is the camp ready. Yo, 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 come, come, it's all good. <laughs> Dixon, are you sure? Um, no, we've only got the kitchen up. Okay. Yeah. So you don't tell the guests this. You're not going to cut it. You keep driving. Yeah. Hour, two hours. So you land at 11 o'clock. Half past one. Dixon is a cool. Yo, 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 come. Are the tents up? No, not yet. Oh, okay. Keep driving. Then, like you said yesterday, we get to like three, four o'clock. Now you've got to go there. Yeah. Get to like, okay, there's nothing. We're not looking at anything. We're yeah. just driving. Dixon, can we come? Yeah, yeah. Are the tents? Yeah, no, everything. It, it's good. You can come. <laughs> drive off the river road. You turn. As you drive in, there's this long driveway to camp. And let's say you're about two, 250 meters from camp. You come around the corner and there's a bed on the floor. And there's a toilet. Pot. And there's a pot. <laughs> and there's Slash hitting something with a hammer. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God. But, and look, it was, it was every week. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing was, and this is, I think, where we're going to try and take this thing now, is it's the people around it that makes the experience. It's mm. us staying calm. Mm. It's arriving there and the guests seeing that the, the, the camp staff aren't phased. Yeah. They, you'll be fine. And even some people are like, mm, what the hell? Yeah. Within the first two hours of being there, everything's fine again. Yeah. It's the people. Yeah. Absolutely, it's, it's the people. And I mean, we, we were chatting about it yesterday about, you know, I think we've, we've advertised and, and said pretty much everything there is to be said for the, for the Masa Mara. You know, mm. the, the, the stuff that we can't explain to you is stuff that you have to experience for yourself. Mm. You know, the, the feeling of, I still think there's some sort of 
don't know, something around that fire circle that just triggers people. You know, sitting, sitting around the fire, people, people create bonds with each yeah. other on the, um, on the, on the week. Yeah. We create bonds with those people. People open up about stuff that they probably yeah. wouldn't anywhere else. And, you know, you, you chat to a lot of people about, you know, what sort of, what did you enjoy most about the Massa Mara? And I think yeah. that's the good thing about every Monday is the, the, the lives that we're doing, chatting to people, getting ideas yeah. from their side. Yes, you go into a place where you know the gambling is always going to be great. Mm-hmm. You know that the scenery is always going to be beautiful. You're always going to have those wide open spaces. The river is always going to be there. Yeah. But those experiences that you create around the fire and especially for single travelers, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the people might be nervous. I'm one of those people that would I really go on my, by myself to a place Probably not, you know, because I'd like to be with friends or sure, sure, sure. people that I, that I know. But I think here you are going with people, with our guides that are used to jelling people. You're going to get along with us because we're going to make it fun. We're going to make sure. it and we're going to show you a good time, even if you don't want to chat to anyone else. But you're going to make a special connection mm. with our staff, with Dixon, yeah. with Tenke, with our guides, Jimmy, Sammy, all of the guys, Mary. You're going to create a connection with someone there yeah. that you probably wouldn't have had that connection with anyone no. else, I don't think. It's funny, you, say, you said something, there's something about the fireplace. I remember Christy was with me in Iceland first, and her and I, so, okay, well, how do I frame this? You get people that are very religious, you get people that are very spiritual. Yes. Um, I'm not necessarily either of those, yeah. to an extreme, but I am aware of energies. Yes. And I'm being an empath. I can I, I sense people's moods and vibes, and you can feel when there's something special about a place or something's off about a place. Yeah. I know Judy sees things. I've tried to see things, but I yeah. don't see things. I've also tried. I've to literally stay asked to. See, I, I, anyway, so Christie's also very much in that spiritual. She, she understands energies and all these things. And on the last night, we were sitting at dinner, and she said to me that there is something about the Mara and these people that is ridiculously spiritual. Yes. That it yeah. makes you it makes you aware of things that you haven't been of no, that 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 you're either scared to be aware of or you didn't know is there to be aware of. And the way she explained it as well is like dimensions and stuff. I mean I, I I'm not I'm not fluent in that kind of stuff. Yeah. But there is something there. No, it's not ghosts. Don't say there's ghosts. It's not that. No. But there's something that makes you get in touch with yourself and nature and something else. Yeah. So I've, I've got a theory that about That was deep, it. wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It was very, yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a theory about that where it's, it's bringing everything back to basics. You know, and with, with all due respect to, to Dixon and Tank and all of our staff, you know, they, they, they will admit they, they, they don't live a very complicated life. Not at all. It is, it is yeah. stressful. You know, you've got your cattle and they, they have issues that they face with that. But I think for us as a modern society, we've become so involved with bullshit. Mm. With, you know, you've got to drive the biggest, fanciest car. You've got to have the biggest, fanciest house. You've got to wear the yeah. designer clothes. Otherwise, you're not cool. You've got to have the best lap. All of, all mm. of this. Mm. Whereas they kind of bring things back to ground roots where they, like they and what I love about it is they culture everything is based around respect yeah and I think that's something that we've lost as a society completely you know mm. it's that that respect and just how they bring everything back to basics where it's like you know what you're stressing about a million things in the world that actually yep. make no difference in your life no you know do you think someone is going to look at your shoes and say holy shit you know he's not wearing the latest or Nike shoes, or he doesn't have the right watch. Or he doesn't have the so right I'm gonna have watch. the right watch yeah. in order for someone to think I'm better than I am. What a yeah. crock of shit! Um, and, and I think no, it's uh, what do you call that? Um, materialistic things. It's all. It's all yeah. materialistic. All, all materialistic things. <clears throat> I don't think makes you a better person. You know, it, it's and that's what those guys highlight. And I think a switch goes on to people that hang on. You know, mm. I'm stressing about all these things. Actually, what what am I stressing about? Uh, mm. they, they, and I think there, there is a part of us that are very much attracted to the older way of living as, as human beings. And I, th- I think a lot of people have lost that. I, th- I think people have lived for. And if you think of what you said, they 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 simple and basic in a good way. Yeah. Is whenever something stressful happens in our lives, what do we do? We freak the fuck out. Yeah. 
It's like, oh my God, I need to take a Urbanol or whatever, yeah. Xanax or Zaino or whatever these yeah. things are called. Um, or I need to go and have a whiskey and my heart rate goes up and then my physiology, my physiology just pushes and I get crazy. And that doesn't help. That makes everything just more. And what they do is that they, they, they bring it down to basics. And I mentioned this yesterday on the podcast. It's only the, I've only said this twice now. Well, three times because we're recording this damn audio again. <laughs> but I was in Amara 2018. Yeah. Was it 18? Mike and I were hosting. And also middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere, we, um, I get a phone call. Um, Adele's phoning and I kill it because I'm at dinner a couple of times. And after a while, I'm like, okay, sorry, cut it. Anyway, so she phones and says, one of our very good friends, amazing friend at the time, he's just committed suicide. And this was a person who, I mean, I've got a lot of energy, but this guy was just life and travel and just like adventure, lust and all these things. Anyway, so I get this phone call. It's like, oh shit, okay. And then I think to my own detriment, sometimes I'm very good at closing and putting on a mask. Nobody knew. Mike, when he heard this, when I spoke about it the first time, he he was like, what? And he was there. Anyway, so after dinner, people are kind of settled. It's middle of the week. People go to some go to Lightroom this, and I said to them, "Good guys, I'll see you tomorrow." So I, I get, got a whiskey and I went to the to fire to sit down. And eventually, all the guests are gone, and Dixon and them are locking up. And Dixon says, "Cool, I'm going now." I said, "Wait, Sakaya, let's just sit and talk with you." Got another whiskey, and I said to him, "This is kind of half what happened now." And I'm I'm like, because again, you hear something like that. Initially, there's numbness, yes. and then the moment you're on your own, it, it feels like everything just starts turning quicker and yeah. quicker and quicker, and you get to the point you want to freak out, yeah. and, but I can't freak out because I'm here, but if I've, well, it is that, it's yes. all of this. And I said to him, just, I said to him, tell me about suicide. Yeah. So I said to him what happened, and the conversation was like, it was a proper mind fuck for me, yeah. because it's just, suddenly it's back to basics, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. I mean, it didn't take the pain away, but it made it more... That's the word I'm looking for. Not tolerable even. It, it made a little bit more sense. Yes. And this is from someone who lives in the middle of Africa and for most of his life have been worrying about his cattle. Yeah. That's, that's no, I think it's, 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 it, it creates context for us, all the shit we worry about. Yeah. It does. And that, I mean, that, they've got a very calm way of, of approaching things. You know? I mean, we've had people that have gone into tomorrow with all sorts of different problems, you know, whether it be going through divorces or... You know, having lost a, a, close, a person mm. close to you, and they've just got this way of, of approaching it that mm. is, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And it, it, you get people that have sat around the fire or have had a drink at the bar, yeah. and they come back and they're just like, I've just had the craziest half an hour or 45 minutes of my life. And I think that is, that is why a lot of the people yeah. return to the bar, you know, and, and people are very much open about it. Oh, very. Like, we're not coming back for. You guys, well, they, oh, they just don't want to admit it. But this is true, not to our face at least. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's for the staff. It's not for the game no. or anything like that. It's, it's for the staff. And I mean, it, it's always special for me when that last day when, when guests leave after lunch, you can uh-huh. see people are trying to delay the process as much as they don't can. Don't want to get in the car. Don't yeah. want to get in the car. So I, I've learned my lesson now. I go in first, quickly, sunglasses on, quick hugs, cheers, mm. bye. Because there's a lot of dust. The eyes get red a bit. Yeah. So you got to just so, cover the eyes. Especially when you know you're not going to see them again for another year. Yeah. There's a quick hug. Sunny's on quick hug. And then Mary will always like try and squeeze like, no, let go. She's strong. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, you kind of, you get to sit back and just look at the tears flowing. Oh, yeah. And for me, that is, that is the biggest compliment. Yeah. You know, when, when people cry and they've obviously had such an incredible experience mm. that... It's, it's, it's life-changing for a lot of people. And that, that, that realness of the staff, like Dixon, I mean, you say with the, the crying, and there'll be like big men, like manly men, real yes. big guys, and they hug, and they, they hug Dixon goodbye, or whatever, and they get all like, tearful, and Dixon will hold them by the shoulders and say, real men don't cry. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, you can't say that. You, you let him yeah. be. Let him be. <laughs> but then, you know what, actually no, ball, it's fine. And, and often with, with, I mean, when we met Dixon and them, even in 2016 and all that, he wasn't that good in English. Not, not many of them were. Yeah. So then when they started doing like the culture evening where they talk about the culture and stuff, yeah. the first couple of years, even now I've got to force myself, just leave it. Yeah. Because like, okay, you could have said that differently or yeah. I don't think people understood you or what. There's, there's that thing. Yeah. But it works. It just, it, yes. it works. And yes. sometimes they talk about things I've done that culture evening how many times? Yeah. Every time I'm like, where did that come from? Yeah. It's like new stuff all the time. It's yeah. like, what? 
But it's it's amazing how he's grown as a person, you know. Just oh, the, I mean so. the confidence that he's that he's got, and and just I love the way he takes control over everything. Talking about you know us stressing out, have have you seen? Because obviously, like migration is a big thing for us. <coughs> it can be frustrating and yep. sometimes a little bit nerve wracking with the crossings and things. Mm. You know, you, you get this massive build up. They're not crossing. Yeah, you yeah. there for three hours. Have you seen Dixon's impersonation of each one of us? Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. It is the funniest thing. If you guys come to the Mara, holy hell! Ask Dixon to show everyone's reaction with during migration. I think the way he impersonates Jono is yeah, yeah. God, we I wonder if Jono's still there. Fucking all the beasts. And he like walks up and Dixon Hand through the hair. Plays with the ring. Dixon does it <laughs> so well. And then he did this once for us. Um, myself, Jono, Dixon, B- Billy was in New York with Sticks, one of Jono's good friends. Yes. And some, we end this Italian. So first of all, Stick says, we, we, you're going to take us to a pizza restaurant. It's this fancy Italian thing with no pizza on the menu. It's just like little pieces of meat, which is like whatever. <laughs> it was nice though, Sticks. Thanks, man. It was good. But anyway, so this, this conversation comes up. Yeah. And so, um, Sakaya Dixon sitting on the end, and he does this. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, like Jonah, like And he sits back and like hands through the and he's like, it is spot on. Yeah, I've, I, we've got video of that somewhere, but I do not know where that is. And then, and then he nails it. He does it so well. And then you like they will reply, guys, it's nature. Yeah. Oh. Stop stressing. It's nature. Oh. It, will, it will happen when it happens. The most chill person in the world ever is Jimmy. Yeah. He, I, I mean, even when guests are saying to move the car and they're upset because they missed something or anything, I've never, he's, ever seen Jimmy... Ice cold. Nothing. Yeah. It's just like... Eh. No, no stress Unbelievable. No stress in the world. Yeah. Good people. There's something I wanted to say now. I completely forgot him. <laughs> Yeah, it's good people. It'll come back to me. Yeah. Mara, how many weeks you got this year? I think I've got three. Um, well, I've also got three. Yeah, I've got uh, two back-to-back around sort of mid to end of August. Mm-hmm. They haven't put us on a Mara week since our Chanka episode. I wonder if they're trying to tell us something. Now, now we know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I don't know, because I've, for some reason, the last few years, I've hosted the first two migration weeks, yeah. which is like 31st of July for two weeks. And then somewhere in September. I don't know if there's a reason for that, but yeah, we need to try and arrange that. Yeah. No, it's good fun. The other thing which I, th- I thought about last night again, yesterday we were talking a little bit about the, the week with Scar. Scar. And with that, just for people, because we're recording this audio again, yeah. um, Nick Rab, John, we had like a family vibe week where John's daughters was there. And um, nature, I understand. Human nature is the conundrum. We, we don't have enough time on this podcast to talk about human nature. We will. Mm. Ooh, I'm going to have to fetch a back charger. Um, let me get that. Let me so, this in. So we had a week with Jonah's, yeah, with Jonah's daughters were with us. And it came up that one of them, Nick Rabjohn, one of our guests, said something in the line of what is, it's that old thing, what is a pirate's favorite letter? R. So... <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, come on, Nick, don't, that's childish or a dad joke or whatever the case might be. And then Nancy, one of the other clients, um, one of our regular guests, she pops up out of nowhere. I mean, literally, Nick did that when he sat down at lunch. And then as, as Nancy it, it like quiet down around the table, Nancy pops up and says, what is a pirate's favorite animal? And she's like, scar. And at that point, the wheels fell off three million percent. Because now, what, what's the pirate's favorite um, favorite game reserve? The Mara <laughs> and shit like that. But where this is going. So that afternoon then, it became, I mean, I can't even think of everything. It was ludicrous. Yeah. And then Nick tried something like, what is a pirate's favorite game reserve in South Africa? Marla, Marla, no. <laughs> no not going to fly, dude. That, that's a, that's that's a, a stretch. Penalty, that's a penalty. That's drink, a stretch. Right? So that afternoon, we go and drive. And so John's daughters are there. And it's the kind of, and the, the, the point of this is there's not many safari companies, if any, that will have this level of family vibe, fun and stuff. Oh, yeah. And so I was driving with Ken and Jono and then we were with Jimmy, I think, with his daughters. And we've got a radio channel which is just for us, for our vehicles. And normally you don't hear a shit what's going on. It's just noise. And, yeah. and I hear Catherine come on and she's like, Ken, Ken, come in. 
they had, there was a thing about Ken, where they like calm down Ken or something. Anyway, so and Ken's like, yeah, and everybody's like, what the hell? She's like, what is a what is a rapper's favorite, a, a pirate's favorite rapper? And everybody's like, what the hell? Nicki Minaj. <laughs> and and I mean, everybody's hysterical. So then then we all start talking on the radios. Yeah. And I don't know of another safari company, lodge, camp, no. guides, anything where you'd be able to take that level of personal slash friendship slash family fun. Yeah. And it just works. Yeah. And there's also something that we as guides, I mean, us and all the wildlife guides, we are very quick to pick up on banter. Mm. To there's, some, there's a little theme, you're over it like white on rice. Yeah. I mean, someone says something wrong in the office, it's, it's Project right. Mayhem from Fight Club all over again. <laughs> but, and even our guides in the Mara, they've become very switched on to subtle sense of humor, yeah. which they pick up on and it just runs. Yeah. It's great. I think it's also something that um, a lot of people might um, wonder about or argue with guides in East Africa compared to Southern Africa. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if we take to in all honesty with with our guides, you know they're not they're not level three SKS from a, from no. a knowledge point of view, but hell they can entertain. Mm-hmm. They they can entertain. They can um, get you in the right positions from a photographic point of view. And you know what? What more do you actually Mm-mm. want or, or need? And uh, we we try and uh, I see some of the guys have gotten into their their birding. Jimmy has got his uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. book and he's he's uh, become good with his birds, but. Hell, from an entertainment point of view, the guys are, are sharp. They can take jokes. They can give banter back. And what I'm enjoying now, I don't know if you noticed last year, but more and more they're coming to join around the fire to have a drink yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. with, with yeah. guests. Where, you know, in the past it was like, okay, drop off and they'll go back. They're starting to entertain a bit more. They're yeah. starting to create some of the stories around the fire. So it is a very different guided experience to what you would get in South Africa or Southern Africa. Mm. But how they... they Great, great bunch of guys. I also think what's happened, and it's 100% right, I mean, they don't need to understand what type of grass grows, the ecology, nitrogen cycles around water holes. They don't have to understand that. But also what's happened is because they now, we know each other. I mean, we've known Sammy and Jimmy now for 10, 11 years. And then Ken for a long time. James has been there since the beginning, but he wasn't a guide initially. So often what happens when you go on safari with a photographic operator, especially guides who haven't worked in the industry yet, because there's a lot of people hosting safaris and they're using it for their own fucking holidays mm. and saying how they're going to chill in between meal times. I'm not going to talk about that now. We're talking about yeah. East Africa. Yes. So what happened? Sorry, I had to say that. <laughs> Oops, it happens. So you go to a normal lodge and you get on a gun. There's, there, there's always the possibility for this tension between the driver mm. at Mala Mala. Sorry, yeah. not dry, not disrespectful, but the guide who's the local guide yes. and the, the specialist photographic guide. Yes. There's sometimes this tension. Yeah. That they try and show you up. Yeah. And in East Africa, I've had that where I've, when our guys were busy, I've had another guide from Sunworld Safaris or one of those. Mm. And again, you'll say, do this. And you try and, and automatically go into this normal banter and chat. And this guy's just like dead. And he's like, can we do this? No, no, I don't know if we can do that. And it's, then there's this tension between us as the specialist guide yeah. and them. Yeah. And that we've never had. No. The guys have now understood yeah. this is their role. Yeah. We pull them into the photography. What do you think? What do you think about this? That it's just a beautiful kind of collaboration as such. Yes. And that I think is huge. And I don't think guests coming on Safari for the first or second time will notice it. But now that they are aware of it and you look look for it, yeah. watch. Absolutely. Watch it. It's amazing. Absolutely. And I think uh, look, it, it all comes out to that uh, respect <laughs> thing again. I think it goes further than just East Africa. I think. All over, you know, I, I know all of us do that. When you when you get to a particular place, we've got a, a local guy driving the vehicle. Mm. I'll be very quick to say to them, "Listen, I'm not here to take over your job." 100%. And you know, so you you know the area better than me. Yeah. You know where to go, but let's play open cards. Yeah. If there's a leopard hiding there. Don't try and hide it and drive around for yeah, forty don't minutes. Don't do the normal crap and then like, oh look what we found. Yeah. No. Say to me, listen, we've got a leopard there. Yeah. And then we'll, I'll chat to the guest and we'll say, okay, you know what, what's the visual like? And uh. those things. And we'll make it a decision um, based on that. I'm also saying to the clients, if you've got a question about the area, 100%. Ask him. 100%. Uh, like, get him involved. Because otherwise, it's going to be a conversation between me and my guest and you just sitting there feeling like a driver and left out. And the important thing is, we both, all of our guides, every single one, knows what it feels like to sit in that driver's exactly. seat. Exactly. And to have some big ego-driven 
superstar photographer specialist guy from wherever bossing you around yeah. trying to take all the shine for everything it just it's not conducive to good experience no. and it's not and it's not because it makes my life easier because it does when when the guide plays with hey sakaya hey sakaya dixon's watching us on live um it's the guest experience mm. that's what counts yeah but uh, it's those little th- and you said something yesterday about we should be filming the things that go wrong. Yes, because <laughs> I'll hand to you that my, my my big thing is so I'm trying to think of ways on my social media to tell the Mara story different because over the last eleven years I've said everything, I've told every story, I've shared every image, I've done vlogs about it, I've done yeah. inter- podcasts with Dixon around the fire in the mornings at four o'clock before the guests come, I've done all those things, and. In my mind, the experience is better than it has because every single year since we started this thing, it's been getting better and better and better. But what else can I tell my audience to make them understand the real experience? Because when someone, you did a podcast with Morag or one of these lives, and she was in tears. And I I think she found me on TikTok and then she followed you and then you took her to the mar and everything. Knowing her... I would have put all the money I have that she would have cried on that trip yeah. before she even went yeah. because I know the emotional depth to what people will experience yes. and that's not a bad thing yeah. but how do we communicate that? How, how else can you and I and us as collect as guides make people understand how fucking amazing that experience is? Yeah. That, that's, that's the challenge that we, we're facing. Look, I'm, I'm, and I, we've spoken about it briefly but I'm a, I'm a big fact I would really like to get more people that are respected in the industry mm. to come and see the camp and, and share that message possibly. You know, mm. there'd be other private guides, you know, even if we choose like a handful of sure. like say ten private guides that, that we can sort of you know bring bring your clients in and, and come and see it. Yeah. And because I think a lot of the people think that we you know we we're being biased about our, about our product. And of course we're gonna show you the, the best things that are out there. Sure. But I think yeah. as, a, as a fun thing, it would be pretty cool to get <coughs> Krista or, or someone to film the things that don't go according to plan, you know, to, to film the, the chefs that are stressing because they're going to get ready for breakfast out in the bush or get stuff ready for, for dinner or... Like we said yesterday, cars catching on fire, cars shit like that in the past. <laughs> I mean, we had, um, last year, the, like, Sammy came and complained to me, his tires are straight up, but he doesn't want to speak to Jono because Jono was in a bad mood because they were using... <laughs> They were he probably didn't much, get a crossing. They were spending, <laughs> they were spending too much money. Um, so I eventually sent John a message and said, listen, this is because he was literally getting flat tires and using spare tires of oh, other guys' yeah. vehicles. And, and eventually John said, well, why didn't they ask me directly? I said, well, they're a little bit scared at this moment. So anyway, long story <laughs> short, <laughs> Sammy, Sammy got his brand new, uh, brand new tires, yeah. which he was very proud of. But, you know, th- yeah, th- 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 things definitely don't go according to plan. No. There's a long question there. You cannot tell the anything more. You are very good at painting the magic picture, Elias. We will never truly know until we experience it. Blazing Beth, you've got it. That's a thing. But, and, and, and I agree with that. So for people listening on the podcast, yes. the question again, well, it came back, damn autocorrect, then anything. You cannot tell them anything more. You are very good at painting an amazing picture. Alas, we will never truly know until we experience it, 100%. But I think for us, and Johan, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the, the goal is to try and share more of it. Mm. Because for me personally, social media has changed dramatically in the last six months. I want to share my stories. Yes. I don't give a shit whether people like it or not. Yeah. But the passion and the, the, the depth of passion that we have for this place yeah. doesn't even come through even with what we've done so far. I don't, I don't think so. No. I really don't. No. And I, I think you know, our passion is, is a lot more about that particular week in the Mara... The, the side things, getting people the images, getting people to have mm-hmm. a great experience. We've got a, an amazing, it, it is a connection, it is a family that we have in Kenya. The, 100%. The difference that we're making in their lives, from our point of view, booking people on the weeks, which helps them to create their magic during the week and the morrow, but also the difference that we're making to their lives. You know, I think in the beginning we were running our morrow weeks, it was like four weeks. Mm, the very first year was three and then slowly up three, from Three, four, five yeah. weeks. Now we're running... 22, 24, something. Yeah, something like that. A couple so of months. We're creating an income for them over that sustained period to allow them to then, you know, out of season to 
buy more cattle, to send their kids to school, mm. to give their kids the opportunity to, and I think, you know, having Dixon go to the States was a, a big thing, not just for him and his family, but yeah. for the entire community that yeah. he can say, hang on, you know, there is a bigger world out there. You don't have to stay on the farm if you do, and, and do what I do if you don't want to. Mm. You can become a doctor and, and people can, people might say, you know, you're interfering with the culture. You're not at all. You, you're now creating opportunities where it was, you know what, no matter what happens, you're going to stay here and look after the cattle. Now it's, look, if you want to do it, it's mm. there. But if you want to become a doctor, a guide, a dermatologist, whatever you want to be, you can become that because yep. now you've got the opportunity. There's, there's a bigger world out there. Do you think that, and this is a proper change of gear, do you think that... I'm trying to think what the question is here. Obviously, the Maasai culture has changed mm. and is changing dramatically. Any of the cultures around the world, as far as I know, there's only, and this is this is just from something I read somewhere, there's only one culture, which is somewhere like deep in Papua New Guinea where they still eat people and, and stuff like that, yeah. that hasn't had contact as such much with the outside world. Yes. The Maasai culture, we see some of it. Yeah. If you go to the villages, you'll see the real life. It's not one of those where you pay $20 and they jump up and down in this. It's, you can go to the village and it's legit. You're the whitest person there yeah. because, I mean, there's nobody else and you're the only person speaking English along with Dixon. How long do you think that culture is going to stay authentic and real with the way that the world and the tourism industry go? That's a podcast on its own, but what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the, the basic principles will, will, will yeah. always stay there. The, the basic principles of, of respect and things there. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's changing. It's changing every year. You know, introduction of mobile phones, yeah, um, solar. You know, adding power to them. Look, I think it's good changes as long as the basic principles that that the culture is, is formed around remains mm. in place. I, I remember my first, and then there's two things I'm thinking of. The first time I ever went to the mall, 2011, somewhere. So John and myself, Andrew and our guest, we, we drove in, which was a never again. Yeah. And we get to Sekinani Gate mm. and our, we, the transfer vehicle hands us over. So first time there and Pakwao or something was our Maasai driver's name. And I'm like half peeing my pants. I'm like, fuck, there's a real Maasai driving the car. I'm like so excited. And we drive and it, it was a long drive to camp. It was from Sekinani. Our camp was kind of where Kiboko kind of side. Oh, so it was a long drive. So at some stage we stopped to stretch our legs. And it's this perfect Mara scene. There's this, you know, like on, if you drive down from Lookout, it's very flat grass with the, the road going up. And there's like a tree, that kind of vibe. And Paco walks up away from me. And I'm, I'm hearing like angels weep because this is Africa. And he's, the Maasai and the tree, I'm like, fuck, is this even real? Yeah. I should have cried because yeah. it was so beautiful. <laughs> Same with sunsets. We should cry at every sunset. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd go there now. Um, and... I then, stop phoning, 087 is a spam number. Um, suddenly a phone rings. And out of his, there comes the phone. I'm like, what? what? And it was kind of a thing like, damn. Yeah. And now, more recently now, when I ran the, the wildlife photography workshop in November, we specifically, I had off camera lights, like little loom cubes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we did phenomenal stuff with Dixon in them. Oh, so he would be sitting kind of, evening. yeah. Oh. And he would be sitting with his hand on his chin, kind of looking off, very dramatic fire. But then his fake Apple watch pops up. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, can you take that off, please? But I think it's very true what you say that the, 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 the deep principles will always stay. Yeah. You look at people like Ken. Yes. Ken's Maasai. Yeah. Same with Tim. Yeah. And they're slightly more fat Maasai because they partake in lots of tuskers and yep. things yep. and they eat guide foods every night <laughs> at the lodges and stuff but they still they've changed they don't always wear the traditional gear mm. they they might have beer once in a while Tenke and Dixon old school never yep. but still the, the essence and the principles and all of that that's intact I just wonder how long it's going to change because we can see it changing slowly over the last 10 years yeah. I don't know yeah. I think I still think it's, in a, in a way, it is good change. You know, it, it's giving, it's giving more opportunity to to those people, and you know, creating, you know, I don't know if you, if you can, yeah, you probably could call it luxury. You know, yeah. having, having electricity and and running water that is that is a luxury in in, in those yeah. areas. You know, yeah, so yeah. 
it's stuff that they're getting now that they, they wouldn't have had yeah. 20, 30 years ago, which um, I, I think it, it is for the, for the greater good, I would, I would say. I also wonder whether, because in the old days, I mean, is it Dixon or Tenke? One of them have killed eight lions when they mm. were way back. Yeah. Not now. Now I understand conservation. I was listening to, and I don't know if this is even relevant, but it feels like it should be. I was listening to an ebook or a podcast or something, and they were talking about conservation at large, like the Masamara, the Amazon, whatever the case is, and how, imp- uh, how empowering the poor people in an area will change that. Because now, the way the world's going, if, if there's hectic poverty in an area, the future for you and me, my future is... I want to build this company up to huge. I want to have a coaching business. It's amazing. I want to do this and that. We're thinking way there. Yeah. I can conceptualize for myself how conservation might look in 5, 10, 5, 15 years time yeah. and what I could do. For people who don't have food, the future is lunch. Yes. Their future literally yeah. is lunch. Yeah. So the more you can empower them and you can kind of deal with poverty, yes. the future vision for those people who unfortunately are who we rely on in many of these places to carry the conservation system, their future, like, I don't give a fuck if the elephants die. I need lunch. Exactly. So, so there's that. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's a big thing where going to these places, we always talk uplift the community, blah, blah, blah. But that's the reality. Yes. Make them think about something other than am I going to have food in my belly by the end of the day? Exactly. Exactly. And that's a big thing. Then we can start worrying and say, hey, listen, this is why it's important to because look, now you're da, da, da. Yeah. It, it comes full circle. Yeah. And I mean, we always say that, you know, in order for conservation to work, communities have to benefit from it. Yeah. Those animals need to be worth more alive to them than dead. Yeah. And I think that's where I, w- I would love for us, you know, you talk about looking long distance. I would love for us to create like a, a moral trust. Yeah. You know, where we can, whether it be, you know, However, we go about it. People booking safaris. Yeah. Some of that money goes into Mara Trust to make, it, to make a bigger impact. I mean, we, we've we've done quite a bit for the Mara already. Sure. But I think there's a hell of a lot um, that we can do. And I think it's also something that people love getting involved in. You know, yeah. it's that kind of safari with a purpose. You know, I think it was probably when was it last year or towards the end of 2020, I think. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole bunch of safari companies that had a webinar. That discuss what do people, what are people uh, going to yeah, want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are people going to want most? Yeah. With going on safari after this whole um, COVID uh, and, and lockdown thing, and the answer that came out there is people want to have a purpose. Mm. People want to know, okay, you know what? <clears throat> Whereas in the past, you used to be okay, you know, spending money, whatever, going on safari. I just want to see the animals. Yeah. Now it's going to be like, I want to know that my money is really going to the right place. You know, yeah. is it what's being used for conservation? Where is it being used? Yep. Is it making a difference to communities? And I think that's something that we can uh, definitely yeah. sort of look at, at doing in the future. Yeah. I'd love to get something like There's that. There's definitely something there. I mean, and it is. is if, if these people can see the value of it in practical terms. Yes. Not, hey, listen, you can make shares and profit. They're not going to understand that. No. Basic, do I have food in my stomach? And that's done because the people come and look at the lion. Exactly. I mean, there's dumbing it down, but, yeah. but no, it's that kind of thing. Exactly it so, Give us yeah. a shout if you guys have any questions there. Yeah, on you guys. Hello. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the Mara. What's your next trip? I'm going to Serengeti. Oh right, twenty second. Yeah. So you and Mike, less hey? Less than two weeks. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm following it looks looks nice and green. Looks like wildlife is pumping. So yeah, amped. Nothing wrong. I haven't been there in two years. So. Yes, this COVID thing is bizarre. Like you yeah. speak to people. Oh, our last safari was like last year. No, it's actually three years ago. Yeah. I wonder. Do you think this thing's slowing down? It definitely is. I think you know, in the just in the last few weeks, we've had um, Brazil, which was a, a big concern for us. Having you know, we're running three Pantanal trips this year. Yeah, that was a big concern. They've opened up their uh, their borders completely now, no quarantine, nothing. Yeah, India today. You know, th- th- those are two countries that was a big worry. Yeah, there wasn't really. I couldn't see a sort of an end game getting back there, and in the last four or five months. Yeah. You look at the UK, they've yeah. opened up everything. Here, it's, it's quite relaxed. There's still masks and things. I think the... I'm irritated with masks. Yeah. No, but it's... I think the, the, the basics of, you know, PCR tests um, and being fully vaccinated will be... Yeah. 
uh, will still be here for quite a while. Yeah. But it's definitely, I feel it definitely is dying down. The one, the best, and we can wrap up with this, but I think the best comment I had, I was speaking to Brendan mm. a couple of days ago, and he said, we spoke about COVID as well because he's driving through the US now. Yeah. And he said that if you look at what's happening in and around the news in the US, yes. for the last two years, we've been overdosed with COVID and death and numbers and variants and vaccines and all kinds of shit. Yeah. He says, a lot of the media are now focusing on dumb shit like Joe Rogan who did something bad on his podcast yeah. and he says it's actually quite a nice thing that they're not just focusing on the deadly serious COVID yeah, thing they're talking yeah. about dumb shit again mm. maybe that maybe the dumb shit is going to take us back to normal life yeah, hope so. I don't know hope so. can't be in yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, let's talk about dumb shit anyway for you guys on the live thank you so much for watching um, for the guys in the podcast if you want to get hold of us if you have comments questions you want to join us in the Mara for a deep chat around the fire with the Maasai guys you know where to get hold of us email address jerry at wilder.co.za or johan at wilder.co.za and you can find us on all the social media platforms uh, thanks for listening I think that's about it yeah that's it thank you guys we appreciate your time thank you for lending us your ears and we'll chat to you in the next episode my name is jerry I'm from Wild Eye my name is Johan I'm from Wild Eye bye cheers